through tubing solutions, specializing in downhole equipment and services to deliver the results you need right when you need them. Contact through tubing solutions today to improve your downhole operations. This session is sponsored by Through Tubing Solutions. Thank you, Through Tubing Solutions. And I want to share with everyone attending, uh, there are more than 1,500 of you and your fellow industry members and investors and analysts joining uh, the conference this year. It's, uh, it's wonderful to have you. And first, I would like to introduce, it's our pleasure to welcome Harold Hamm, founder and executive chairman of Continental Resources. Uh, he's uh, an American Shell leader, and many of you know, among the industry's first leaders to point out what is needed in both a law and policy area to uh, improve the fact that America is an energy has rather than an energy has not. Harold, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. First off, you know, um, we just get this, uh, just get this um, out of the way real quick. Uh, since I had prepared questions for this, obviously I wanted to talk to you about the upcoming elections. But of course, since then, uh, there has been a running mate selected. What's your outlook for elections and what does industry need to keep an eye out for and what does industry need to do? Well, certainly we need a, a pro-industry executive branch. And, uh, and so we don't have that, unfortunately, with Biden. You know, he, uh, first of all, was against uh, fracture treatments uh, altogether and was gonna ban it. He backed off that somewhat, but still, uh, you know, he thinks that we ought to be on wind power and uh, all of these alternatives and and totally stop uh, production of oil and gas and, uh, you know, that's just not possible and and we can't have that. So anyway, I, I think that uh, his choice of a running mate, uh, everybody expected that, uh, you know, would be a, a, uh, a woman, uh, uh, black nationality, uh, so we, everybody expect that. I think that, uh, you know, I think where they came out and, uh, you know, disappointed the public perhaps was that they didn't talk about hope for America's future. Uh, they talked, they started pointing fingers, uh, about what had gone wrong with this current administration, uh, blamed it for COVID-19 and, and we know that, uh, the, administration didn't cause COVID-19. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think that was very disappointing. It was very disappointing to me and when I saw that and uh, somewhat unexpected. Uh, the American public, you know, would like to have heard something about hope for the future and, and uh, how we make America, continue to make America great. I wanna, I wanna talk to you now about Continental um, what are, what's your outlook for Continental restoring to 100% of capacity? Well, we're uh, uh, gradually doing that. Uh, you know, we've uh, we put a, a press release out that talked about our production in July and, and where that was going to. We met those uh, numbers almost exactly. 
And so we're uh, back to producing uh, most of our capacity. We still have some gas shut in and, and uh, you know, of course that price has improved and we're bringing that production on as well. So we're, we're back in the groove again uh, with our production and, uh, and get back to normal as demand will allow. You mentioned natural gas. Do you have an interest in, in gas plays or gas basins? You know, until uh, the government uh, stops some of the subsidies to uh, all these alternatives, we're not out there uh, beating yourself up. As long as they're giving away our market share, uh, you know, the wind and uh, solar, all those alternatives. Uh, I, I think most of the solar uh, you know, subsidies went away, but still, yeah, with all the wind subsidies, both state and federal here in Oklahoma, uh, we're not particularly uh, interested in bringing on a lot more gas. And then, um, Continental, you, you've grown Continental um, for decades now, almost entirely organically through some incredible exploration, incredible sciencing. Do you have any interest in this type of asset market to potentially pick up properties? Well, you know, we always, uh, in downtimes, uh, that's when we do our best work, seems like. Uh, you know, going back to the, you know, the late 80s, we found Ames Hole, 1989. Uh, you know, Cedar Hills, 1993. To 1995, the Bach in the early 2000s. Uh, these weren't good times in industry. Uh, so, you know, we uh, we seem to find the best opportunity and uh, during the downturns. And certainly, that's that's what our crew is uh, very earnestly uh, looking at right now. And uh, you know, that that's that's uh, seems to be our best time for finding the best stuff. Well, speaking of um, speaking of sciencing, um, do you feel that the sciencing that's needed is more technology related in terms of um, e equipment um, and 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 such? How much propent and and how you land and such is is more sciencing needed there, or is it more rock related sciencing? Um, just your basic ge geological exploration? Well, I think, uh, well, first during these type of times, uh, uh, you know, you move first, uh, I think, to your operations and make sure that you need to make all the structural changes that you need. And we've done that. And, you know, just like in 2015, 16, uh, we've made a lot of structural changes that matter. Uh, again, so, you know, maybe uh, move as much as 30% in some areas. Uh, so it's, it's been big. But I think the science of the rock is, is something that you have to, you have to get right. And uh, so we're, we're doing that. Uh, as a geologist, you know, that's what I, uh, uh, where I tend to go. And, and uh, yeah, we uh, uh Factor technology and uh, everything is, uh, is very important to us. I'm going to ask that burning question, of course. 
where might we end up hearing Continental has made a huge new discovery? Uh, well, I can't, I can't talk about that. <laughs> and uh, and of course, about to ask. <laughs> yeah, I know you had to ask and that old baby there and, you know, keep looking. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> keep watching. <laughs> well, speaking of asking, I'm going to go to the subject matter of the Supreme Court, which has asked for a great deal of things. Um, the SCOTUS ruling concerning, uh, well, the McGirt case. Um, that has resulted in essentially SCOTUS's opinion, leading uh, prevailing opinion that the treaty that was signed long ago was still in effect. So um, how much of the five tribes land um, affects Continental and um, even if Continental has some acreage within those boundaries, do you feel that net net it'll have no effect? Well, certainly with Continental, it has no effect. Uh, you know, we we don't do a lot of exploration in East Oklahoma, and that's where most of the five uh, civilized tribes were, th where their lands were. Right now, it's just uh, dealing with the criminal matters, and not the civil. Everybody expects it'll go there, but there's a Montana case that. Uh, stops it short in a lot of instances of applying any anything to uh, non-tribal members uh, on those lands. So that's a very important case that, uh, you know, it's out there ahead of this one. So they can't infringe on those rights. Uh, so I uh, happen to serve on Governor Stitt's uh, appointed commission of cooperative sovereignty it's called, and so we're trying to sort that out. Right now, the Indians, uh, you know, basically what they have, they've been given the criminal matters. That's not what they want. You know, that's that's the part that, that doesn't produce any revenue uh, or anything like that. Everybody expects it might go to civil matters in the future, and we'll see if it does or, 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 or not. But probably there will be negotiations with those tribes because they don't want to be loaded up with all this regulatory uh, criminal matters, uh, trying to run courts and all that business. Uh, that's uh, certainly uh, uh, should be done at the state level. So there, there will be negotiation for this is over and, and an agreement will probably be in the making I expect before this is all said and done. Uh, so right now it doesn't affect uh, our operations, Continental. We don't expect it will in the future. So, uh, but it's uh, it's very concerning here in Oklahoma right now. I can, I can certainly say that. I meant to ask too, although this, this case was uh, originated in Oklahoma, do you, are there any potential ramifications for your operations in the Williston Basin, the Fort Berthold Reservation? This is, that's different, right? It is different. Uh, you know, they, uh, uh, that's managed by the, the BIA up there, and we have very limited uh, exposure uh, on, on Fort Berthold. I've worked on the reservation before, and you know, life's too short for that, in my opinion. 
So that's just me. Uh, but you know, there's a good, there's good rock there and uh, some people have done well, but uh, it is a, a different operation. And uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with a tribal council and that tribal council turns over every two years and uh, the rules change. And so that's just the uh, nature of the beast, uh, the, the way they operate. So it's a different situation, but uh, you know, it won't affect uh, Continental, uh, uh, you know, at all, because those are uh, existing reservations uh, that's been long since in existence. And uh, so everybody that's there know the rules and know what they're dealing with. Um, coming to the investor community, um, there, there are fewer investors in the upstream industry. Um, and frankly, I'm, I'm seeing fewer and fewer securities analysts, you know, certainly on the sell side side. Um, what, um, what is a message about Continental that you feel prospective investors aren't hearing, maybe because there isn't a securities analyst to tell them about it, or they're just not tuning in? Yeah, I think uh, they're slow to, you know, pick, pick up on the fact that demand recovery is happening. Uh, we're back to about 90% of pre-COVID-19 demand. Uh, refineries today are operating about 80%. Uh, historically, they were about 85%. Uh, so demand is getting back. Uh, more people are flying. Uh, I heard a report uh, a couple days ago at the time there were 67,000 planes in the air in the U.S. compared to normally about 100,000. Uh, so we're getting there uh, and it, it's happening, but uh, it's been slow to happening. But from here forward, from 4250 to forward, the next 10 dollars, you know, basically goes to the bottom line. So that's where the value is. That's where the value creation will happen. And so I think that uh, investors are starting to pick up on that. Our stock had a good move last week and uh, most others did in the industry. So, uh, you know, they're beginning to, they're beginning to get it. Uh, our industry is going to change a, a great deal. Uh, you know, there was so many, so much money that came in from private equities and all that, that slowed down or a lot of those are dead in the water. Uh, so I think the investor needs to look to the existing, uh, value and oil and gas companies today that have a tremendous runway for the future and great inventory as Continental does. I, I realize I overlooked, I meant to ask you um, as well, when we were talking about SCOTUS, are there other SCOTUS decisions um, coming up or cases in federal courts or other courts that industry needs to keep an eye out on or that are, you know, presenting within themselves imminent danger to industry operations. I mean, I'm thinking of DAPL right off. Well, certainly we had a good ruling recently uh, where it was handed back to the Corps of Engineers. 
to you know to determine if a stay was necessary while the case was heard and so they're making that determination now and I would think that uh, they'll stay with what they ruled earlier when they granted an initial permit uh, uh, to, to allow the pipeline to go under the 500 uh, yards of river riverbed and a little Missouri. So I think they'll stay with that. And so that was a good ruling. Certainly uh, that's an important uh, uh, thing that will be adjudicated over the next few months. And uh, you know, that uh, permit is, uh, was uh, well received and the pipeline was put together and been operating successfully for the last three, three and a half years. Uh, so I don't, uh, believe that'll be overturned. So that was uh, that. That was a big thing. Of course, you mentioned Apple. I think there's uh, one more thing that uh, people be watching to see play out, and this is uh, this class action that was uh, brought last week by Mish International Monetary against Vega Capital in London. Uh, this had to do with the 500 billion dollars. Uh, that was uh, taken from out of the market, uh, uh, you know, on April 20th. And so I think we all uh, anxiously await that to see how that plays out. And that's just a lawsuit, class action lawsuit. Thank you. I'm glad you brought that up because I was wondering myself if we would at some point in time sooner or later see some some sort of litigation around those events. Could you tell everyone, though I think it's pretty well burned in their memories, what happened in April specifically? Yeah, so it ta usually takes a crisis, you know, to uh, show the fundamental uh, good or bad of a market. And certainly uh, that did, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's the beauty of AGS. Uh, uh, you know, it, it takes the uh, uh, inherent storage uh, issue away. As long as you have ships uh, that can pull up and load with a waterborne barrel, uh, you don't have the uh, storage overhang issue uh, that uh, these people played off of. I mean, incidentally, the storage was never a problem. And, uh, the storage and cushion would never fail completely. So it, it all had to do with uh, the way the market was played, the skepticism that was created, and, uh, and, uh, and the way that they were able to buy all those uh, positions the day before. So was there inside, insider dealing? Somebody knew something. Uh, that allowed them to create that. So seeing this play out, this is going to be, uh, you know, a real eye opener as to exactly what happened and how they took that much money from U.S. producers in one day. I'm very glad to hear someone's looking into that. It reminded me what happened in April of what actually destroyed NYMEX the first time in the 1970s, the Great Potato Scandal. If anyone is, uh, is more interested in that topic, Leah Goodman-McGrath wrote a great book, of, great book about it. 
Um, thank you for bringing that up, Harold. I really appreciate it. Um, also, too, I want to make sure everyone, um, and to hear it from you, if you could tell everyone about the new two, uh, the, the two new uh, crude benchmarks, the Platts and Argus American Gulf Coast Select benchmarks that you were instrumental, instrumental in um, having created. Well, uh, certainly uh, the American Gulf Coast Select, AGS as we call it, is a, uh, uh, in, in the making of a, a great viable uh, benchmark. And it's a waterborne uh, benchmark uh, on the coast of uh, Texas. And you know, that's, that's where the migration has been, first with refineries and exports in 2015, infrastructure, all the pipeline reversals, everything that set this up and made it possible. So, uh, you know, the, the broad view is that, you know, all the terminals uh, and that Houston complex from Corpus all the way around to Beaumont, uh, certainly with waterborne barrel uh, would be covered under this, uh, under this benchmark. So those markers were established by both Platts and Argus. Uh, this was uh, a good thing that happened uh, June 26th, and now we're hearing the calls for a, uh, a liquid uh, market that could be traded. And so, you know, until the committee is able to select a platform and get, get that in place, it's possible yet, but it will be soon. So we expect a branch type market to evolve uh, from this. Uh, speaking of markets, um, along the lines of markets, OPEC, are we better off with it or without it? In a time like this in particular, has the existence of an OPEC been helpful, but we would still like to be without it? Uh, well, sometimes we're uh, better off uh, without them, <laughs> and uh, sometimes we're better off with them. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd say that March, uh, 9th, 10th, 11th, uh, would have been better off without them. Uh, we should certainly need to stand, steady hand at the wheel, and we got everything except that. And uh, so that didn't happen, and uh, you know, started a, a price war that was uh, uh, not, a, not a good situation at all. And so uh, that was the downside. The good side is now they're showing some discipline. Uh, you know, they, they certainly misjudged the market, uh, misjudged this pandemic, and oversupplied the market greatly. And now we're trying to, you know, dig up under uh, the, all that uh, inventory burden, if you will, uh, overhang that's there. So uh, today, you know, you're blessed to have them. Uh, you know, early in March would have been better off without them. You know, America is a net consumer of, of energy. Well, more and more borderline today, but net, net when you put it all together, um, it, it seems to me like OPEC really should cut back even more. It should do more for uh, the, the global price of crude oil and not expect us to do uh, even more. Well, I, uh, 
I think you're right. Uh, certainly in light of what they did, you know, uh, you know how they oversupplied the market so, so drastically, uh, both uh, OPEC and Russia. So we'll say OPEC plus. And so for what they did up to the 1st of June, because they didn't cut back, you know, all the way through May, like everybody else did here in, here in America. So for what they did, they certainly should cut back more and, and get this inventory overhanging offer back. So I agree with your statement. And words of wisdom, um, you, you have much of it. You have much wisdom. Um, so I never like to pass on an opportunity to, to gain some. And uh, your words of wisdom to all members of industry, and then do you have any in particular for those who may have only joined industry in, uh, well, <laughs> it's kind of it's odd to say it, this century, um, uh, those who might be a little concerned about their future in it, what, what would you say to everyone? Well, uh, thank you for that. Uh, I'll, I have been around about 52 or three years in business, so uh, any, anyway, it's been a, a great ride. One of the things that uh, I, I've learned through time, uh, you can't ever get down on the business. Uh, you know, you can't uh, give up. So I think there's two things, faith uh, that'll come back and, and be all right, and perseverance. Uh, you have to be ready to, you know, persevere through these tough times. And so both those things are very, very important. And if you're not willing to do this, uh, you're in the wrong business because uh, you're going to be required to. This is a cyclical industry. It's always been out of way and it will be in the future. It, it goes up, it comes down. So, you know, when it gets real good, uh, look out, uh, you know, position yourself well because the downtown turn's coming. Uh, you can't get uh, too deep in debt. Uh, make sure you're not extended out over your skis on, on debt uh, and uh, where you can, you can wait it out when times get tough. And there's a lot of people that don't pay attention to that. They don't last. I think about how this, this year is unfolding 2020 and thinking about the onslaught of um, some Americans' distaste for uh, the hydrocarbon industry for fossil fuels and then to also think about the fact that certainly uh, something that is going very well in 2020 in the midst of everything and is extremely important to our recovery from it is the fact that we still have electricity and we still have gasoline and we still have jet fuel. Um, is, is there something that you just can't quit repeating, reiterating, emphasizing to those who are not within industry about how important hydrocarbons are? That's true. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, the people that downplay the farmer while their mouth is full of food. <laughs> and it's the same thing here. I mean, you know, the, the, the very cheap gasoline, uh, you know, it's gonna get to where electrons are giveaway uh, before it's done there. It looks to me like with electricity, it's almost giveaway. So, you know, we're very well supplied. 
the industry has done a tremendous job, this American energy renaissance. We're not subservient to any foreign country uh, on, for energy. Uh, you know, if we get ready to fight battles, we'll do it for some other reason than energy. And so we're in a very, very good position. So it's, uh, I, I feel good in a lot of ways uh, about what the American producer has done for America. Yeah, I'm very patriotic and uh, most of my friends that are producers are the same. Harold, you know, I always like to con conclude an interview uh, with the what else question. Um, because I don't, one, certainly know what all the questions are, and secondly, um, we're, we're possibly not going to um, get to all of them this afternoon. Well, I'm being told that no, we won't. So the what else question is, um, what else would you share that we haven't discussed here um, that you'd like to share with investors, prospective investors, with, with industry overall? Well, there's a, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, uh, there's some headwinds, but overall, I'm, I'm concerned about a couple of things that's going on. Uh, you know, all the uh, biodiesel credits that's been given and uh, some of the refineries that we depend on are being transformed over from crude oil to biodiesel. I think that's a, that's a very harmful uh, thing that I see on the horizon. When you get to, uh, subsidizing $3.83 a gallon uh, for biodiesel. I mean, I think that's totally ridiculous. Uh, so some of, some of those things are not good for America. Uh, the, you know, the wind uh, subsidies need to be phased out. Uh, and that needs to be over with and, and uh, see that stopped. Uh, so uh, other than that, I think that uh, you know, we're very proud at Continental for what we do here, being a very low cost producer and find a, a lot of additional efficiencies. And I think operators should be doing that right now. Uh, and primarily the structural things, not just uh, because service uh, costs are cheap, uh, but things that really matter and will be there when this is all over. So those are very, very important. Uh, to us, and that's what we're emphasizing right now. When this is all over, we're very much looking forward to that. We are here at Continental. We certainly are. So I'm ready to be done with this. Uh, these are certainly dog years uh, that's going on right now. Absolutely. Harold, thank you so much. Thank you. We're, we're always so grateful to get to visit with you and get to learn from you. And thank you sh for sharing your perspective with all of those attending today and with all members of industry. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you, Nisa. I appreciate being with you. Good night. Good night.